With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Between the Links. With your host, Mike Heck. Ah, yes, the iconic voice of Esther Lin welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links right here on MMAfighting.com. Hope you're having a great week so far as we're smack dab in the middle of autumn, the fall season. All the pumpkin lovers rejoice. We are here. The leaves are changing. And as always, we have a lot to discuss this week. UFC Fight Island 4 went down on Saturday night. UFC Fight Island 5 is going down this weekend in Abu Dhabi. We'll talk those events and some of the big storylines going on in the world of mixed martial arts right here this week on BTL. So let's get right into this thing. Looking to build upon the momentum of last week's victory over Jed Mishu. He's putting his number one contendership on the line. He is one of the most active fighters of 2020, which means him being back on this week is no surprise at all. UFC Bantamweight and featherweight contender, the master of the Boomatine choke, Brian Kelleher, back on the panel. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to to take on uh, Mr. Lee over here, and uh, hopefully I can uh, have another uh, Boomatine uh, happen today. There you go. Now, we do have a champion in Phoenix Carnivale. She will be back on the show next week to defend her title. She couldn't make it this week, but filling in once again on short notice is the Prince of Positivity himself. And when I told him that Brian Kelleher would be his opponent, let's just say his creative juices began to flow. From MMAfighting.com, the co-host of On to the Next One, your friend and mine, Mr. Alex Kaylee. AK, welcome, sir. Hello, everyone. Yes, uh, yes, my creative juices did begin flowing when I heard that we had such a prestigious guest on. Uh, normally, uh, it's been a while. I mean, I'm, I come from a pretty rough background, so I'm, you know, as you know, uh, Brian, of course, is a is a a, a hip hop hip hippity hopper, as the kids say. Uh, he's known he's known to drop some lines. So I I have prepared a rap for uh, for Brian. If uh, you guys would like to hear, uh, okay, if I, if I drop this rap, try. okay. Uh, my 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 uh, my my uh, drum machine, my beat machine is uh is in the you know is in the shop, so this will just be acapella. <clears throat> uh, just count in your head, count the beats. Uh, Kelleher, with respect, you are about to get checked. This is no octagon; it's the BTL set. No one can save you. Don't care what the Crystal Crew gave you. My answers to these questions will enslave you. Pick a weight, any weight. It doesn't matter. When the score is red, it's my wallet that's getting fatter. That's right, Baldy Ed. You heard what I said. AK unloading verbal bullets straight to the head. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that was good stuff. That was good stuff. That was I awesome, to apologize man. to anyone listening right now. Please <laughs> not st- do not stop listening to the episode. I swear to I, I will not rap anymore for the rest of the episode. That was for Brian. Brian, what'd you think? <laughs> I'm going to have to feature him on the Baldy Ed album coming out later this year. (laughs) Oh, man. So hip hop aside, let us. uh, I mean, there's no other way to do this, but uh, but start with the big story of the week after that uh, incredible performance by Alex K. Lee. We begin 
We began last week's show talking about Israel Adesanya's masterful performance against Paulo Costa, but man, oh man, has he been using his time in quarantine to get the attention of one John Jones. Back and forth, these two have gone on social media. Things have gotten very personal, involving family and a whole bunch of other things in these tweets, but in the end, the volcanic super fight possibilities between these two guys is about to erupt. Of course, Mr. Kelleher, the last style bender, has said numerous times that he wants to clean out his division before moving up to 205, before fighting John Jones. But his head coach, Eugene Berriman, told our friends at Submission Radio that Izzy wants the fight with Jones and he wants it bad. And if Jared Cannonier beats Robert Whitaker and isn't ready to turn around relatively quick to fight Adesanya for the title, Izzy and Eugene have already talked about him moving up to 205. So with that being said, with the tweets and everything that's gone on over the last week, should the UFC go ahead and strike while the iron is hot here, Brian? Should they focus their attention on doing everything possible to make this fight right now? I mean, yeah, personally, I'd like to see Israel defend his title a couple of more times. You know, he's just getting started in, in that division, but business is booming, like I say, for the UFC with those two. I mean, the hype on, on the internet right now is definitely getting me excited. I'm sure a lot of people are excited, and I think you got to strike while the iron's hot. Like, you know, don't let it fade away. You got you to gotta get it right now. I think those two are heated up. Um, you know, th- you could say they're both in their prime. I'd say John Jones is kind of fading a little bit towards the end, but um, yeah. I mean, uh, I would love to see the fight. I just I just don't know if they want to do it right this second or if they want to wait for uh, Israel to defend a couple more times before they go ahead with that. What do you think, AK? Do we do we just go right after this thing? Strike? I mean, you're, you're a pro wrestling guy, and MMA, in a way, has been garnered from the roots of professional wrestling, and you don't just go into a big storyline and a big WrestleMania bout. You build it up. But have we built it enough? Should we, should we do this now or should we wait? You know, you... You're supposed to strike when the iron is hot. The iron is maybe is warm. It's warm. I, I won't deny it. But the trash talk, it sucks. I'm sorry. It sucks. It's gotten too personal. It's gotten too personal. It's gotten too weird, some of it. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with all the tweets. There's a lot. I don't blame you if you haven't. But it's gotten a bit weird, inappropriate. I'm sure that people get a kick out of this sort of thing. Uh, maybe, you know, the Jose Youngs of the world, the hers of the world maybe they find this sort of thing amusing but you know more sophisticated people like myself we need a little more substance uh when it comes to to build up to a fight I, in mma i'm not sure exactly what that means I, we've, we've had you know feuds built on all kinds of weird premises but this just doesn't quite feel right the way the things they're saying to each other i, I don't think it makes for good fight build up maybe it makes for good uh, clickbait headlines for us but for the fighters uh, for the fight itself uh, I, I don't know i think there's a lot of compelling matchups for uh, Adesanya 185. I don't know, Cannoneer, Whitaker rematch, Darren Till, Jack Hermanson. There's there's names there, and and I've always been a fan of um, great champions building up their resumes through consistency. Uh, in addition to big names like like George St Pierre, you know, uh, Anderson Silva, those guys always come to mind. Like there's big names, but there's also kind of some fights in there that were just title defenses, you know. Um, so I'd like to see that. I'd, I think he and I think he has the skill to do that. Uh, and the versatility to do that. And uh, as for John Jones, I mean, I, I think Jan Blachowicz, if anyone deserves a fight, it's him. So uh, I'd like to see that first. I think I think Jan Blachowicz has, has earned that right. We're kind of in an interesting spot because if John Jones decides to make that move to go to heavyweight and continues to put on size and, and put on muscle and maybe get to 225, 230, get a little bit bigger and stronger, that cut to 205 is going to be a little bit more difficult than if they were to do it now. But let me, let me ask you this, Alex, because... People, when you have fantasy matchmaking like this, people like to have opinions on it, and they're offering and they're often differing. And the odds makers 
are having different opinions about this fight as well because they like to put out these future lines. And I was looking at it earlier today. Bavada has John Jones as a minus 375 favorite, and the comeback on Adesanya is at a plus 285. But betonline.ag has Jones as a minus 115 and Adesanya at a minus 105. So it's nearly a pick em from that from that site. So the odds makers can't agree on this one. Who do you think is right here, in your opinion, when when basing these odds? And if they're both wrong, how would you set it? Uh, I mean, I I favor John Jones against almost anyone. I will say this: I'm of the of the thought that putting aside any uh, you know PD controversy, to, however you want to weigh that, I think he, I still think he's the best fighter I've ever seen uh, in MMA, pound for pound. I, I wouldn't bet against him against anyone. However, however, in the case of Adesanya uh, and what we've seen of John Jones lately, is he's very willing to and kind of always has been very willing to play to his opponent's strengths, you know, just to show that he can outdo them. And in the past, he's dominated some of those matchups. He's done a great job out wrestling wrestlers, out striking strikers. But the last two fights with Reyes and, and uh, Tiago Santos, I think a lot of people, even if they think he won both those fights, would agree he didn't exactly, you know, didn't exactly uh, beat these guys in their own game. It was, it was really touch and go there for a while. If he tries to beat uh, Israel Adesanya at his own game at kickboxing, I don't see how you can't favor uh, Izzy. I really – there's no way to know. So this is what the problem for the oddmakers is. There's no way to know what the game plan is going in. But if for, if for whatever reason you think that it's a striking battle, the, the, for me, I would go Izzy as far as two to one favorite. That's how far I would go if you could somehow predict that it was going to be a, a kickboxing fight because he's – I think he's maybe the best striker in the UFC today. What do you think, Brian? I mean, you have some insight into this world. You like to to play the ponies, so to speak. How would you line this fight? Yeah, no, I mean, I would lean a little towards Israel, too, as far as, like, if, if the fight stayed up on the feet. But I, I'm a guy that I, I can't go against John Jones just based off his resume and who he's fought and what he's done. I feel like he, he would be smart in there. You know, those guys at Greg Jackson's, they set up really good game plans. They don't they don't let their fighter just go in there and get reckless. Uh, and I think John Jones, is his wrestling, his size would play a big factor in this fight. You know, uh, Israel's shown a lot of improvements in takedown defense, but a guy like Jones is, you know, he's, he's going to land ground and pound on you. He's going to look for submissions, and I don't think he's going to shy away and freeze up like some of Israel's other opponents in the past so let me ask you this brian if we woke up tomorrow morning and check twitter and there's just a slew of tweets that let's just say like someone reported it probably mmafighting.com because that's what we do that this fight is happening on december 12th john jones versus israel adesanya the fight is happening at 205 pounds who are you picking I'm picking John Jones. I mean, he spent his career there essentially at 205. You know, he's he's a big guy too. He can fight at heavyweight. He has a big frame for the weight class. And I think, you know, Izzy, it would be his first time dealing with something like that. I feel like with uh, John Jones's credentials and his wrestling skills and even submission skills as well. So I would lean towards Jones. AK, you're our prediction guru here on <laughs> MMAfighting.com. I mean, and there's, there's a lot of questions unanswered here. We don't know what game plans are going to be. The trash talk is what it is. We're, there's no press conference, no nothing. So there's really not a lot to look forward to. And we're not picking the fight the day before. So if you had to pick, if they booked this fight for December 12th and someone said, who's winning this fight? If all your friends hit you up because now they're suddenly interested in MMA, who are you picking? Uh, nobody look at my predictions, first of all, for this past weekend's uh, UFC Fight Island 4 card. Uh, Chuck, <laughs> remind me remind me to delete that from the site. Thank you. Um, uh, I, I, I would, you know what? I'm feeling crazy. I'm going at this and yeah. I'm going at this and yeah. I the size is it definitely matters. Like I, it is one of the things like I think when we saw when we eventually saw them face off and saw them at weigh-ins and saw them in the octagon, I think there probably would be a moment of like, whoa, like 
this is what a real light heavyweight looks like, and this is what a guy you know coming up from 185 looks like. But but Izzy definitely has uh, the height and re- reach. That's a good thing. The mass is a, and strength is a totally other question. But height and reach was, is good. And again, if we're talking striking, I just haven't seen that dominant you know clinch game in wrestling from from John Jones uh, in so long. And I know it's there. I mean, the guy you just know he can do it. I just haven't seen it in so long. I would I would go wild, and I would I would pick it as new. We will certainly keep our eye on this. A lot, obviously, would need to happen. I think Israel Adesanya has a good grasp on reality and, and what makes sense. And he has his eyes set on Jared Kinnear. And I think if Robert Whitaker beats Jared Kinnear on October 24th, this conversation might get a little more a little more fiery, so to speak. But uh, the point for this round is going to go to MCAK. He is on the board. I think the rap kind of put you over the edge in a yes. in a pretty even battle. So I'm glad you got to get that rap out of the way to, to get you on the board. As we move ahead to this past Saturday night, UFC Fight Island 4. It was an interesting car. We had some great performances. We had some good finishes. Holly Holm capped things off with one of the best showings of her entire career. She dominates Ardenia Aldana. And I think we're all in agreement of what her next fight should be after Saturday night. So rather than make this question about Holly Holm, Let's make the question about the rest of the card. AK, we begin with you. We've had a question like this from time to time on the program. In your opinion, aside from Holly Holm, who are your, like the NHL does it, who are your three stars of UFC Fight Island 4 and why? This first guy I'm going to name, he might, I would argue, depending who you ask, maybe he might have just been the biggest star, period, without this, without this, uh, you know, no Holly Holm qualifier. I think Carlos Condit. Uh, even though he wasn't on the main card, him winning was such a big deal. I think for for a lot of his fans, this guy hasn't won, hasn't won a fight. I think in five years, uh, five straight losses. Some of them, some of those losses, pretty pretty convincing, pretty like you know the kind that make you ask, man, how much does this guy really have have left? Uh, so to be put on the prelims against a, a gamer, an absolute gamer, in Court McGee. I mean, Court McGee is as tough as they come, very experienced. Um, and for him to put on the performance that he did, I think a lot of people. Uh, this is one fight where people were picking Condit to win. And for him to deliver in, in such convincing fashion, which is huge, uh, a great story. So I would actually maybe even put him first over uh, Carl, over uh, Holly Holm, pardon me. Uh, otherwise, the other two names, I have to go with sort of two prospects. Uh, one guy who's quickly going from prospect to contender, Casey Kenny, so dominant uh, against uh, 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 Alatang Haile. And a guy who has said all the right things since he's joined the UFC. He's won fights. He's keeps saying, I want to fight as much as possible. His only loss to another stud in uh, Mirab Dvalashvili. He's just such a such an intriguing prospect, and he del- absolutely delivered for anyone who like was seeing him fight for the first time, and maybe had heard about him how how what a prospect he is. They were like, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, this could be a future UFC uh, title contender. And the other one also not quite as dominant uh, as the last two names, but I think she's just so intriguing as Loma Lupunmi, uh, who beat uh, Jinyu Fry, who because uh, that division is again there's a lot of room for upward movement. She's very young, but she has a memorable name, obviously a distinct style, which is really important I think in MMA. And uh, the results have been good. She, her only loss, you know, to, to Angela Hill, which is just a little too far for her at this point. But uh, another name who, again, people seeing for the first time were like, I would definitely want to see more. So those are my, so I go Carlos Condit, Casey Kenny, and uh, Loma look with me. All right, Brian, who are your three stars outside of uh, the preacher's daughter? Yeah, one of my stars was Carlos Condit. I just think, you know, an OG of the game that that hasn't fought in, what, two years? And I don't think he's won in, like, five years or something like that. It's been a long time. So for him to, you know, at, at his age, how long he's been in the game, to come back and look that good against um, against Court McKee, who, who is, like, you know, a savvy veteran, who's a, a really tough guy, not obviously at the highest tier in the game right now, but uh, it was really impressive. I think Condit looked refreshed. I looked, His movement was great. His kicks looked really good. Um, 
he was able to take big shots from Court McGee as well. And uh, just the amount of time that he's had off, I, I, I gave him one of my stars. Another guy I gave uh, was actually a uh, – well, it went to a draw. I gave uh, Cooley Bow a star because he fought a guy in Jordan who, you know, has a lot of hype behind him. And his fight against Feely was, you know, really impressive. He he hung in there with mm -hmm. a, a top guy in Feely. And I, and I was, you know, on the lookout for this guy. And, and his opponent in his debut comes in and, and kind of steals the show, even though it was a draw. It was like, wow, this guy is uh, is something you know to is something to look out for as well. Um, and then my my third would be uh, Jermaine Durandamy. I think um, you know 28, uh, 38 year old kickboxer who is you know primarily just striking gets a uh, put someone to sleep with a, uh, a boomatine, right? I mean, come <laughs> on. I, I, I was impressed with that. Of course, uh, no arm man. She puts her to sleep, and and you know she's shown a lot of improvements in her takedown defense, and also her submission skills. Now you know she she's someone you got to watch out for to try to take down. You know you got to deal with her striking number one, but then you go and shoot on her, and she's putting girls to sleep now so that was my my last star brian i'm curious because you know ak had mentioned casey kenny um and then another guy on the card kyler phillips had a great performance as well and the big one of the big stories at least definitely surrounding kenny and then after the fight with with phillips as well is that both these guys want to keep the train moving they want to stay on fight island they want to book fights they want to get turned around quick there are reports out there that casey kenny's going to fight nathaniel wood on october 24th at UFC 254. And I know that we have this conversation in 2020. I know Hamzat Shamayev is the guy people think about at the top of that list because of how meteoric his rise has been this year. But I would argue that you're the guy that's sort of got this ball rolling in a crazy year. What do you make of this trend catching on more and more that it's not just like, you know, I just want the right matchup. I don't care who they give me. It's get me in there now and then get me in there next week if you can. Yeah, I think when, when the pandemic hit and, you know, I, I took notice on how the UFC was running things and how they were filling in short notice fights so often and so many guys were willing to step up and they were, you know, making different circumstances, allowing guys like myself to fight in different weight classes, stuff like that, uh, depending on how short the notice was. I think it's brilliant. I think these guys are going to stay in the in the media, keep active, stay out there in the eyes of, of the fans and, uh, and get a lot of, you know, a lot of quick paydays if you want to stay stay on fight island you're kind of there already you might as well do it and instead of go back and forth uh i think casey kenny had a very impressive performance to throw that that many kicks in one fight was amazing and uh it's great to see these guys willing to just fight and get right back in there and stay active are you digging this trend ak because I'm, I'm digging it yeah I, I i mean it is it's almost like um kind of what we talked about at the beginning, like having as many cards as possible and how much familiarity can this create with the fans, right? Because again, this is a new age, you know, this isn't the kind of the, um, it was a bit of a cooler period when the UFC was coming up and you only saw Chuck Liddell fight like twice a year or something. And it was a big deal, you know, it was, it was a huge deal. But now, uh, can can we can we draw fans in a different way by saying, hey, do you remember that guy you just saw fight? You know, guess what? In a month, you get to see him again. You know, it, it, it's it's almost like a regular TV show now, like a reg your regularly scheduled programming. So in that sense, I'm in favor of it. Um, some people again, but it does go from you know to change depending on fighter to fighter. Some fighters will will want to maintain sort of a mystique of keeping uh, a less frequent fight schedule, and some will benefit from again their face being out there. I, again, I think Brian's one of them. I think anyone who's paid attention to the uh, you know uh, post COVID era. Brian is one of those faces that people are seeing often, and when he fights, his, there's just that that click of uh, name recognition. You know, uh, they see his face. There's that there's that uh, visual recognition, and, and that's big. So, it, again, it might not it might not be like 
the 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 sexiest way to promote people as far as like oh you're going to see them all the time but again uh there's we're in a different era now you know we're, we're different than it was 10 years ago 15 years ago and i think it, it suits the uh the espn and espn plus uh game plan right now uh mike can i break protocol for one second this may cost me a point but i have to ask sure. brian a question uh brian what because you mentioned cool about what did you think of the 30 27 uh jordan score <laughs> That I didn't understand. I thought that was pretty damn crazy. Yeah, that was wild. I don't know how the hell that happened. Uh, I thought w- which round was it that was that was really close? Was it the second round that was hard to kind of figure out? Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. But the the first round, Jordan got dropped later on at the end, and then the third round was a ten eight. I don't. know. It was kind of confusing how they came up with that. It didn't make sense to me at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's just just wild. Good Fight Island being Fight Island. Speaking of Fight Island, and we talked about like. <laughs> the recognition of faces and stuff like look at Jared Gordon after this week, like the UFC uh, fight Island, a classified series came out on ESPN plus and Jared Gordon has gotten more notoriety in the last, you know, three or four days than he has maybe in his entire career. maybe it's because he, he had such a good story. Maybe because he took his mask off on the plane and maybe almost killed the entire, the entire process the first time around But Jared Gordon's a good friend of the show, but uh, I highly recommend you check out the uh, declassified series on ESPN plus. It's great. Rory Karp is the man behind that. He did a hell of a job. It's really good. So I, I definitely recommend you check that out. But the point for this round goes to boom. He is on the board. Boom, baby. There you go. So both of you guys mentioned this as we move on to our next topic. You mentioned that on the top of your star list was Carlos Condit. He gets his first win in nearly 2,000 days. He defeats Court McGee. He looks pretty damn good doing it. Some people I've seen on social media, and that's maybe just because that's the nature of social media, especially with MMA fans. Some people are sort of downgrading the win, saying, don't get too excited. But you know what? Forget that noise. Court is a tough customer. Condit looks like his old self in a lot of ways. First off, Brian, let me ask you this. Heading into the event, and even during his media day, Condit was being compared to fighters like BJ Penn, like Donald Cerrone, Diego Sanchez, Tyron Woodley, and others where these guys are legends, they've had incredible careers, but when fans and media members see their name on these cards, we're a little bit weary of it. We it, it, Maybe it's just because we care about their health and safety or we just don't want to see them go out there and have a performance like that. With Condit's performance and getting that win, are we removing him from that conversation now or will it be kind of on a, a fight-by-fight basis in your opinion? I think more of a fight, fight, fight by fight basis. I don't think you could just completely remove him, especially beating uh, Court McGee. You know, it's a good win for him, but it's also a winnable fight. It's not like one of those, you know, all right, this guy is back for real. He's going to make another run. I mean, there is a place for fighters like Condit, you know, that he can fight, you know, somewhat winnable fights and not have to put him against the best of the best right now towards the end of his career you can give him matchups that are a little bit more reasonable so uh i I think you know you can't you can't just you know look at one win and be like the guy's back he's a killer again this and that you you got to give him a little bit more more time to show that so i think we should let it kind of settle maybe a couple more fights and really see where he's at what do you think, AK? Because, I mean, th- this is a sport where what have you done for me lately? And what he's done is gone out and get a win. Now, I'm not saying he should go in there and, you know, and, and fight Wonderboy Thompson next week or anything like that and fight a top five guy. But at least when you see Carlos Condit's name attached to a fight, are you going to be a little less worried about it? Or is it totally dependent on the matchup itself? Yeah, it has to be dependent on the matchup. I mean, I, I think any any of the fighters, once they get to the stage, and especially uh, guys like Carlos Condit, who have been in the wars that he's been in, 
you're always worried. Uh, e- even for a cowboy Cerrone who fights three or four times a year, uh, that that frequency of action does not make me more more comfortable when he gets in there. And I'm sure he'll say the same thing. I'm sure he'll, you know, he always he's one of the fighters who's been most open about like, yeah, I'm terrified uh, before I go in the in the octagon. I, I don't think it's any easier. Uh, and for us on the outside, we, we can feel like a, we feel like a fraction, you know, fraction of that anxiety. Um, on the part of fighters, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'd be somewhat worried depending on who they match him up with, but I think it's cool that he got that win and that we can sort of, as we talked about on uh, onto the next one, sort of talk about him moving into this area of like rematches, you know, uh, rematches with with fights that were that people would want to see again either because they were so good or you know maybe the first time the fight happened, uh, the, the the results weren't as conclusive uh, as they could have been. So uh, yes, I think. For the most part, I think there's very few matchups that I would be super worried about. For the most part, I am actually looking forward to what the UFC has next for Carlos Condit. With these other fighters we mentioned, AK, and BJ Penn aside, because he's had a whole bunch of other issues outside of the octagon, do you feel like there could be this trickle-down effect? Like, <laughs> that maybe Condit's win, you know, looking a bit more like his old self, pulling the trigger, could this... Maybe motivate the Woodleys and the Sanchez's and the Cerrone's and let them know that, like, hey, it can be done. We're not done yet. If Carlos can do it, I can do it, too. We're really going to find out with the the Robbie Lawler-Mike Perry fight. That's for sure. Because that's a fight where if that guy can't – whatever that uh, guy gets up to can't motivate Robbie Lawler to uh, to pull the trigger, then, then nothing can. Right? Then we'll know. Uh, but I'm at a bit of a disadvantage here because obviously, you know, Brian will know a lot more about kind of how much fighters draw from watching other fighters' performances. But I, I will offer that um, – like from what I know, guys like Woodley, Cerrone, Robbie Lawler, Diego Sanchez, all of them, they don't really need much to convince them to take another fight. If anything, it's the opposite. I think they require a lot of convincing to leave the game. So they have the reasons for wanting to continue, whether it be like monetary or, or wanting to go on a win, wanting a specific opponent, whatever. So yes, I have to think Condit's success on Saturday is actually going to go a long way uh, for some of these other veterans as far as thinking that they themselves can also pull out one more uh, vintage performance. So, yeah, I do think, I, I don't know if I, trickle down is a funny way of putting it, but now that you mention it, I do think that they will, they're, they're going to take as much positive things away from that as they can. What do you think, Brian? I mean, you, you obviously look at things through a different lens being a fighter yourself. Do you think that maybe this motivates some of these other guys saying like, I don't, I don't know why I haven't been able to pull the trigger. I don't know why I haven't been myself, but I just saw Carlos do his, do the thing and now I'm going to do it. I think it could have a bit of a temporary trickle-down effect, but I don't think it'll last long enough to kind of transform themselves into their next fights and really be a, a psychological game-changer for them. I think it's a lot deeper than that. You know, once these guys get to a point where they're going into fights and they're they're overthinking things and they're, they're not quite confident in pulling the trigger, I think there's deeper problems to that. You know, that goes back to, you know, how, how are you preparing for these fights now? Are you burnt out in training? Are you not feeling feeling the same way about the sport. I think a lot of these things come into play later down the road as a veteran in the sport. And you have to always battle that and figure out a way to kind of bring yourself back to that young lion, you know, where you wanted it so bad and you were in the gym working as hard as possible. And and every time you went into fight, you were there to kill or be killed. You know, it's like it's different mentalities as you go throughout the sport. You got to keep your mind in check. So I think it'll kind of give them a quick inspiration. Like, man, look at Condit. That's awesome. But I think by the time they get to their next fights, they forgot all about that and they're going through the motions again and hopefully they have their act together by then and that's why you're here brian what do you what do you <laughs> want to see next for for condit brian um i wouldn't mind seeing like a nick diaz i i, I don't think they 
I don't know if they would do that with Nick Diaz because his name value is a little bit different. I think it's more like Jorge Masvidal, Nick Diaz kind of style name value wise. Uh, I'm trying to think of another good matchup for Condit. Um, let's see. Give me some names. Give me some names. I'll pick one. Matt Brown. I like that one. That's a beautiful one right there. Yeah, <laughs> that seems to be the most popular one. AK, and you, you're on the rematch train still, right? Like nothing's changed over the last, you know, day or two since we did on to the next one. Yeah, other than Matt Brown, which again a lot of people mentioned, feels. I mean, it was booked twice uh, over the last like seven years, so I think a lot of people are just assuming it happened. Uh, so it feels like a rematch, but no, that would be a fresh one. And then uh, should Robbie Lawler beat uh, Mike Perry? I am just dying to see him fight Condit again. I think that would be a great send off for both guys. Though in all likelihood, both guys would probably, if it's a great fight, they would just both fight like two or three more times afterwards. And we, we're, we're doing this whole dance again 12 months from now. Yeah, I don't want to see Shamayev. I don't want to see Jeff Neal. No. These are the kind of fights we want to Please, see. Because no. I saw those suggest, both suggested, and I was like, no, we're not going to do that. But I think this is this is great for him. It's great for the sport. I, I'm definitely intrigued and excited to see what is next for Carlos Condit. And uh, the point for this particular round goes to the fighter, Brian Kelleher. I mean... The, I, I kind of feel like it was unfair. It was almost like a tailor-made question in a way to him. But uh, let's let, let's get to this final question of regulation because UFC Fight Island 5 goes down this Saturday night in Abu Dhabi. Brian, I'm sure you'll be paying attention to the main event in a big way. We'll get to you in a moment. Big one at 135 between Marlon Marais and Corey Sandhagen. And I'm looking forward to this one. This is a hell of a fight. This one's definitely circled on my fight card. Alex, we're going to begin with you here. This is a big one at 135. Piotr Jan is the champion. Aljamain Sterling looks to be the number one contender. Words have been said that that may be the case, but nothing has been made official as of yet. Right off the bat, and we'll dive into this a little bit deeper in a moment, what is at stake for these two guys when they fight on Saturday night? I mean, absolutely. A title shot could potentially be at stake. If the last question was geared towards uh, Brian because it's about fighter stuff, uh, you know, fighter mentality, this question is geared for me because it's about UFC and matchmaking BS. And I'm all about that. <laughs> I'm all about that life. No, I mean, look, uh, I mean, we're, like what we're asking could, you know, could could one of these guys get the title shot instead of uh, us getting the Piotr Jan, uh, Aljamain Sterling matchup? And of course, because that matchup doesn't even exist yet. Like, We've all mentioned it. We've all talked about it so much that it's almost like a Matt Brown, Mark Car Carlos Condit fight. We would assume it happened. It has not happened. Okay, so this is an easy one. Uh, yes, either Mon Mordeich or Corey Sanhagen could slide right in, especially if they're willing to do it for the right price. Because let's be real here. Our man Brian Kelleher could get the next title shot if he agreed to fight Jan for a nickel. Okay, that's just the truth. Which I'll is to do say, it. We just, that's a, oh, hold on. I got, my I got my clickbait headline. Hold on. Uh, let me take a note here. But I, I say that because, I mean, Brian is certainly good enough. He's qualified to be in the mix. And, and let's be honest, the UFC's priority in these situations is to uh, find the most cost-effective challenger possible. Who's also Because I, I, I bring up Jose Aldo. I don't know. I, I don't know the negotiations, but he came up, came up, he came up a loss. Uh, and and I, I think it's more than just the respect he had and more than just the controversial end to that fight with uh, with uh, Marlon that got him that title fight. I'm just saying. This is, this is speculation. Uh, it's just the reality of the situation. So... I also want to give credit to both, of course, uh, Marlon Reich and Sanhagen, because, uh, look, if one of them picks up a spectacular finish, then it's well-deserved if they suddenly got uh, put in the conversation. You know, what have you done for me lately? Uh, Al Jermaine has been campaigning a lot, which fans don't always find interesting. One of these guys is actually fighting this weekend, gets a big win, and you, you, you'll see a lot of fans go like, yeah, yeah, maybe Marais or, or Sanhagen should get it. So, especially Marais, who should really have had a title shot already. 
What do you think, Brian, stylistically, and then I'll get your take on this. When you look at Marais and Sandhagen, what sort of sticks out to you? What what sorts of things are you going to be looking for from both guys from an X's and O's perspective? You know, I think Marais is probably the scariest guy at Bantamweight in the first round. Uh, his power, his explosion, that switch kick that he has to the head, to the body, like his his aggression in the first round's a monster. And I think that's where he might have to make a little bit of improvement. You know, his gas tank has shown to fade as the later rounds come about. And Sanhagen's a guy that can that can go uh, a lot more rounds. I feel like can kind of hold his volume and and fight at a different kind of pace. He's such a big, long, you know, he's he's got a long range and frame for the weight class. And if he utilizes that well, I think he can give Mariah's problems if he stays at range and kind of peppers him from the outside. And Mariah's obviously going to want to get a little closer and utilize those power shots and, and, and those switch kicks. But, um, I find, you know, I find this fight very interesting because uh, Marlins beat Aljo and and Sanhagen's lost to Aljo. So there are those ties there. And I think that that makes it a little bit more intriguing as well. Now, as as AK sort of a sort of alluded to, we've seen in the UFC many times. Heck, we talked about it at the top of the show with Israel and and John Jones that the UFC may have a certain vision of something, but things can pivot or change very quickly. Boom. Is there a chance that plans could change on Saturday night. Like if Marlon Marais goes out there and he finishes Corey Sanhagen in emphatic fashion because Sanhagen's coming off that quick loss to Aljamain Sterling. So I don't think he's in the mix here. He could be if he beats Marlon Marais, maybe another win or two. But is there any chance Marlon Marais could jump the queue and get the next title shot? I think so because, you know, I think the UFC is obviously very biased towards guys who finish fights on the feet. You know, you get knockouts, TKOs, finishes like that. They're they're a fan of you. They, they like to see that. They know the fans like to see that. So a guy like Aljo, unfortunately, he has a different kind of style and it's taken him a long road. And he's gotten better with, you know, pulling the trigger and being a little bit more aggressive as we saw in the Pedro Munoz fight. But he's not a guy that puts guys out and makes highlight real knockouts. And Marlon Marias is that kind of guy. I think if he can KO a guy like Sanhagen, they look at it as, well, Aljo submitted him, but Marlon Marias KO'd him, and he also KO'd Aljo, so we're going to maybe uh, have him skip the line here. I think it's very possible they do that. It'd be really unfortunate for Aljo, and I wouldn't like to see that at all, but it's possible. So, AK, if you are Aljamain Sterling right now, what are you thinking right now? Are you, are you thinking like... Are you thinking, like, the title shot's mine? Like, do you have that confidence at this point? Or are you just like, man, I need, I am the biggest Corey Sanhagen fan in the world. Right <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got to be rooting for Sanhagen. Right now, he's he's just thinking, man, another day, another load of BS. You know, uh, uh, what what else is new? Um, because, yeah, look, he it would be absurd if, I, I mentioned the possibility of uh, Sanhagen getting the title shot instead, should he finish, you know, should he finish uh, Marais. But I really do think that can happen, which, but as Brian brought up, like, that would be absurd because uh, Sterling, clearly beat him last time, right? A very clean victory, no, you know? So it, it would be strange, but I could see the UFC doing it, definitely in the case of Marais, um, because the MMA math is there, you know? I'm sure I'm sure there's people who would have Dana White ready to say at the press conference or whenever this is announced uh, and he's having to answer these questions from the media, like, look, uh, he, he beat Aljo, he beat Corey, uh, he should have he gotten the title fight uh, after after beating Aldo. I don't, I'm not sure what happened there, but uh, he should have gotten that title fight. Uh, so, uh, I, I'm sure, like I said, the, the MMA math will work out after. It'll be very justifiable for Merlin to get it. Um, I'm of the camp, absolutely, that Aljamain has done enough. Uh, and I think they should make the money right for him, and they should make the fight with Piotr Jan happen. But we'll see how negotiations go after uh, Saturday, and just just how high uh, Marlon wants to go with his negotiations for his own title shot. Because again, like I said, if he's willing to maybe uh, you know maybe accept a little something else on the back end or in the future, some future guarantee, could be him next. MMA math is one thing, but UFC spreadsheet math, math, AK. Ooh. 
I mean, what's the difference? Uh, well, first I'll say someone who's I, I I'm glad we have Brian Keller on here because I think this man has has messed with their spreadsheets. We've talked about this on other shows. This man who is a bantamweight contender, three straight fights at 145. Nick Maynard and Sean Shelby must want to kill you. They must want to be like they must be like, what are you doing? Are, are you a bantamweight? Are you a featherweight? Our spreadsheets are very delicately put together. So have you heard anything from them, Brian? Like, have they told you like what's going on here? Or what's what 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 are you doing with these fights? No, man. I honestly I think they're just happy to have a guy that's willing to step up and fight whoever and just get in there and, and scrap. And I, you know, for me, I kind of took things upon my own hands early on when I fought um uh the guy I knocked out. What's his name? You guys know better than me. Hunter Azure. Hunter Azure. Sorry to say the guy I knocked out. He's a good dude. But uh, uh, yeah, like when I fought him, me and him kind of DM'd on Instagram and set the fight up ourselves and kind of pushed our managers. Hey, let, you down to do this at 145? Yeah, I'm down too. Forget weight cutting. Like wh why do we want to cut extra weight and, and fight unhealthy when we're, our training is is restricted in the pandemic? So, you know, I kind of started it there and then I kept the train rolling. I kept kind of calling out new guys and just, hey, let's do it at 145. You down? They say yes. The UFC is like, well, we got to fight already set why not let them do it you know there's a lot of restrictions and weird things going on so they were cool about it so i'm riding the 145 train until they make me start cutting my way to get back to 135 <laughs> i think winning is the biggest thing you know so let me ask you this brian this has nothing to do with the show if um and you don't have to reveal if this is the case or not but are you confident in saying that you're gonna fight november 7th like that's when you want to fight you have a name in mind are you confident that this happens yeah, I mean, the verbal agreement's there. You know, we both say we want the fight. You know, he's good with that timeline. I'm good with that timeline. So I'm confident that it's going to happen. For some odd reason, though, like, even though we both agree right now, the UFC seems to be like doing a lot of things on short notice and i'll probably find out about uh two weeks before that <laughs> night that that we're, they're willing to do the fight and that's actually favorable for me because then i said well you're giving me two weeks notice let's do it at 145 and then they say yeah he's right <laughs> <laughs> well there you go yeah that will be a fun fight should that be booked and obviously marais versus sandag it should be a fun fight pretty good card overall if you actually take a look at it from top to bottom as the road to UFC 254 on October 24th continues. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, the road on Between the Links will also continue on because the Prince of Positivity has tied things up. He gets the point, and that means it's AK's favorite segment. It's the knockout round. One question unbeknownst to either of these gentlemen. They will each have 60 seconds to give their response, and then all the weight is off my shoulders. We will hand, hand it off to the Honorable Judge E. Casey Lydon to render the final decision. Now, Brian, you are the man with the victory last week, so you get to decide whether you would like to answer this question first or if you would like to pass it on over to MCAK. I'll go first because I get confused after I listen to my opponent talk for too long. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I forgot everything that I was thinking about, so I'll take the first slot. AK, how do you feel about this? You get to go last and not, so not sure. with your choice. <laughs> if you're not if you're not first, you're last. So now I'm worried. Like I have gone first at every time I've had the opportunity. This is the first time I'll be going second. I am I'm thrown off. I'm not gonna lie, I'm thrown off. I gotta I, I got a sec. I guess I think they have a second to recover. It's part of my game plan. Cool. All right. Well we have a hell of a question here. And AK, get excited, because I, I have a feeling that you going last might actually help you, but <laughs> Brian, during the UFC two fifty four virtual media day. Habib Nurmagomedov said something that stuck out in a lot of people's minds. He said that Dana White and the UFC have promised him something special if he were to, to defeat Justin Gaethje on October 24th. 
He has asked to not have that surprise revealed to him until after the fight. Dana White has since confirmed this, as has Habib's manager, Ali Abdulaziz. In addition to that, Ali took to Twitter and said, quote, let me pull it up here. I can guarantee you that surprise won't be Connor or GSP. It's completely between me and Dana. It will be something big. So, Boom, I ask you, what do you think it could be with the information we have? What could this surprise be for Habib if you had to guess? We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. There it is. And your time starts now. I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm quite confused on this one. I'm a little bit lost. I'm, I'm going to keep it short and sweet because this is the only thing I could think of off the top of my head right now. And I'm going to go with uh, uh, the Hall of Fame for Khabib. Maybe this is the last one. Uh, maybe if he wins this one, they do a Hall of Fame for him and, and they call it a career right there. And that's probably uh, the best uh, UFC MMA career there has ever been. So that would be something. All right. It was short and sweet. Still has. Uh, do you want to rap for the last 30 seconds? <laughs> A.K. Lee, please don't beat me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. All right. Well, I mean, this is a tough question, folks. This is a tough one. This, uh, honestly, I I was torn between two. I was torn torn between this question and what's going on with the PFL and the lawsuits. And well, I I don't know if we we had enough information to give a compelling answer on the PFL situation. But uh, A.K., same question for you. Sixty seconds on the clock. What do you think? Go. I hate you for making me think about this, but if it's not going to be GSP and it's not going to be Connor, the not Connor thing, I think, is a, is to throw you off a little bit off the trail because I think this might involve Connor. I think we might get a, bo- a boxing slash MMA card featuring Connor McGregor and Manny Pacquiao, as has been rumored. And heaven help us all, a special rules martial arts match between Habib Nurmagomedov and the Floyd Mayweather Jr. One of those weird first round is, uh, you know, first round is boxing, second round is kickboxing, third round is MMA, something like that. Uh, I'm only saying this because I, I I don't know if I believe they really do have something concrete planned. It's, it's, it's one thing for them to say it, but if we are taking them by their word, Habib Nurmagomedov versus Floyd Mayweather in some form at some point brilliant freak show uh usc event also featuring conor mcgregor and manny pacquiao these these crazy kids these all these crazy millionaires and billionaires are going to work something out all right well brian you did have 30 seconds left so let me let me let me just follow up real quick with you because ak thinks the connor the connor words you know maybe throwing us off the trail could the gsp thing be throwing us off the trail as well because i feel like that's the direction everybody wants to go here the ufc seems interested habib definitely wants it gsp has said that that might be the only fight to get him off the couch and back in the octagon. Not that he's on the couch. The guy's working hard. He's in way better shape than I'll ever be. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's why I was kind of lost with the question because I was I would think it was GSP. I mean, that's the biggest, best thing you could do at this point. Bring him back and kind of see who, who's the GOAT, essentially, at, at this point in MMA. So I would have thought that that was the big news, you know, that that was what Khabib would want, you know, to to you know, finalize his career. Um, but yeah, cause it, we've heard Khabib say he only wants like one or two more fights essentially. So if that was that, I don't know what else it could be. I mean, could you imagine though, if Khabib agreed to do the ultimate fighter against Conor McGregor? I mean, I, oh I can never God. see him agreeing to that, but that would be <laughs> hilarious. They could never be in the same room together. No, like, there's no way it'd be, a, it, they'd have to like, they'd have to do it in like two different countries or something. There's no way you could put these guys anywhere near each other. <laughs> Wow. Do it over Zoom. Do it over Zoom. Yes, there you go. I, I love the Ultimate Fighter. Even I don't want to see that. I'm I'm still waiting for the Ultimate Fighter to come back. That is not how I, I know. 
What do you think of the Calvin Cater, Max Holloway idea that's being floated out there? I mean, there's no like reports about this. That's what Cater wants. My, my here's the thing is my idea for the ultimate fighter was I always thought they should treat it like Iron Chef. I always thought they should have had like four, like four or five established coaches. Cause some people on that show were so good as coaches and just like aren't necessarily active fighters. Like I would have loved to see Matt Sarah coach again. I think Matt Sarah was hilarious. Uh, Chel Sonnen, I think is a spectacular coach. I would love to see him brought on as a regular coach for the open fighter. It'd be so good. And, and there's a lot of other guys out there. Frank Mir, I think would be, would be really cool. Something like that. Um, so I wish they would move to having coaches be coaches and not worry about the coaches fight at the end, but which, more often than not, I think over the last like 10 seasons or something just fell through. It didn't even happen. So I still think there's a lot of juice left in the Ultimate Fighter, but I'm also a masochist. So make it that what you will. There you go. I think Mazadal and Covington would be would be pretty yeah. interesting Stop. if you could do that. Stop. But maybe that should have been the question. Who should coach the Ultimate Fighter? But be that as it may, we have heard the arguments. And listen, for those watching via the magic of YouTube right now, we want to get your feedback as well. So if you believed in viewer land that one of these gentlemen had the more compelling answer let us know in the comments section as we welcome that kind of feedback but now we turn it over to the judge e casey Lydon, your honor how do you rule in the knockout round well i i I get a bit nauseous every time we start mentioning the idea of bringing back tough. So I just got to say that. So I'm a little queasy right now. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I made a decision. Your winner. Boom. Wow. I need, I need to start getting paid for this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a title fight next week, so get ready Jeez. for that. Yeah. Wow. Why did you go with why did you go with Boom there, EKC? I thought this was a uh, – well, I actually thought AK was going to take this one. As someone that worked on – has worked many press weeks for Pacquiao and worked <laughs> Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> the idea of that – happening again it's just i want to punch myself in the eyeballs and the ears and everything so uh yeah and and then and then we when we start talking about tough when um i hate the idea of tough but brian suggested they're gonna do it all over zoom i love that idea <laughs> just i just love the idea of habib on an ipad outside the cage <laughs> yelling at fighters because what does zoom rock with oh there you go. That's all said. Guy, branding. The, the branding. The man is a winner. AK. That's another level. Yeah, you suck at it. I respect it. I respect it. I do. I would like to have a rematch. Uh, and I, and by rematch, I mean I, I, I would like to actually fight you uh, in the cage. <laughs> I'm a little bit fatter than I look. So if you could come up to 155, that would be really good. Um, no and, and I, I yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, definitely no wake. You know, you got to, you, you have to indulge if anything to make that fight. So, uh, and I, I would have to cut a little bit. So, uh, I, I, I think it'd be, I think people would like to see that uh, me actually fight Brian physically. Um, and I think it'd be a much, a much closer contest because he's, he's a very smart man. He outsmarted me today. But I think physically, that'd be another story. Wow, I thought you were gonna protect your neck, protect your neck, man. I'm scared protect of that. <laughs> well, yeah, very at least. Thin. <laughs> well, Brian, with the victory comes the spoils. You'd know there is no money like you had, had requested, but uh, there you go. You get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about, good, bad, and different in the sport of MMA, or plug yourself, whatever you want to do. The, the floor is yours, my friend. 
Yeah, no, um, one thing, I think we kind of brought it up a little bit earlier was the PFL situation. I kind of have interest in that. You know, I've, I've seen Lance Palmer mention a couple of things recently about, you know, being frustrated with how they're handling things. I know uh, Chris Wade is a guy I train with at Long Island MMA. I think they might have released him and free agents are all over the place. And I think there's going to be a lot of moving pieces. So I'm interested to see where some of those top PFL fighters end up. You know, maybe we see the UFC sign a couple, maybe Bellator, but uh, I think that's definitely an interesting topic right now. I muted myself for a second. I, I would agree with you. And one name that I'm interested to see where she lands on this whole thing is Kayla Harrison because yeah. she could be the, the the difference maker either way, depending on you know where she's at, if she's trying to get released and so forth and so on. But that's something to definitely keep an eye on the early stages as you can go on Twitter, look at Lance Palmer's tweet and waiting to see if there's other dominoes that will fall in that aspect. But in the end, that's going to do it for another episode of Between the Links. God, I love hosting the show. So thank you so much for checking it out on YouTube or in the podcasting network, AK, excellent rap, my friend. So thank you for your creativity. Much appreciated. But join us next week as we do it all over again with a new matchup right here on Between the Links. Brian Kelleher gets his first title shot against Phoenix Carnavali. Should be a hell of a matchup. For AK Lee, Brian Boom Kelleher, Casey Light, another production, and the iconic voice of Esther Lynn. Have a heck of a week, fight fans. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.